Good morning and welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on the journey toward publication. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christine Nicotain, and I write multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write fiction and nonfiction. We Ooh, I can hear an echo. We like to start each episode with a segment we call What's Up. It's a time we check in with each other's lives, personalized and some professional stuff, but um, mostly the personal stuff. So we are coming out of a two week hiatus. So we should probably have a ton to talk about. I'm going to choose to start with you, Tina. How are you doing today? Good. Um, I, my husband and I have officially started a church. Wow, Yay. that's big deal. Oh, yeah, we got the paperwork back from the state of Michigan yesterday that says we are a corporation. Uh, I want to say Levitical. That is not the right word. Wow. <laughs> but there's a fancy word for it, corporation. And um, so now I just got to go start a bank account, um, and we will be ready to roll. So that's what's wow. up with me. Did you have a good Christmas? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a nice Christmas. It was almost perfect, except my son, Michael, didn't come. So that was like the not perfect part. But. Yeah. Aww. Oh, we love our babies no matter how old they get. Yeah. I love it when they're all together in the same place and they decide to tell stories to pick on me about stupid stuff I did in the past. <laughs> that must have been a long <laughs> conversation. <laughs> <laughs> They always go back to this one story of this time I was, I was working full time as a medical assistant. And sometimes I was just super tired. Sometimes I would be so tired. I would not make it. I would fall asleep at the dinner table. Aww. Like literally with my hand on my head on my hand like this. And, I'd be asleep. and I was, I was sitting in my chair and the kids asked me if I was cold. And I said, sometimes. <laughs> that's awesome and so they just thought that was the most hilarious thing on the planet and get that story gets told every time they get they're all together it's just kind of weird plus that's you beautiful. and i are similar in that like there's kind of an age difference in our kids like yours are like natural born i have uh three older stepchildren that i raised and then my three little ones and so the older stepchildren are old enough to remember me with baby brain you know, where like both parents get to like, they don't have their kids saying, remember mom when you, but I had some many, many stories from that. So that's funny. Well, I feel like that's really interesting, maybe because I'm editing a certain book that touches on this a lot. But mm -hmm. um, when we get together, we want to hear our family lore, don't we? We want to kind of sit around the campfire and have someone tell the stories. And it's like, really interesting how that tradition works its way out in modern times you know and we don't recognize that that's what we're doing we're doing exactly what people do when they uh, gather their people together and tell the old stories you know yep. mm -hmm. so write down your family histories right oh boy <laughs> I'll, I'll go next just because it kind of continues in with what we're talking about but my um youngest stepson just left this morning to go back to college and his girlfriend was here at the end of the break with staying um, with us as well and we spent last night telling Spencer stories so much fun <laughs> because Spencer was the youngest of the three older ones and he used to trouble just found that kid and he just was adorable and would say adorable things and so we did that last night so we had a really good Christmas here at the Tong household um, my girls 
um, all believe uh, the, I don't want to give it away in case any kids are listening, but Phoebe came to me this year and told me, mom, I know the truth. And so Christmas is so much better when you don't have that going on. You know what I mean? Like we were just, we're able to, we've always celebrated Jesus. That was our, always been our main thing, but it just seemed like a different Christmas this year and everyone was home. Well, my older kids weren't home, but I mean, like we just were here. And so it was a really good time. So how about you, Rhonda? How was your Christmas and what have you been up to? Uh, Christmas was really good. It was kind of low key. Um, some people were sick this year, so there wasn't, um, you know, our celebration was mm. smaller and less uh, involved than it usually is. But it was really nice to see everybody. And um, yeah, so I, at the beginning of the year, every year, I know a lot of people do this, but I start to like purge things and just get things organized and yeah. Yeah. get things organized so that I will continue that through the year. And I usually don't, but this year I'm going to try just like every year again, I have to at least make the effort. So I've been um, actually going through my uh, I've got three computers with information and I've been trying to get them all organized and make sure that all the duplicates are just, I don't need all these duplicate files. I'm just so afraid of things crashing that I just don't trust technology. So I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at a conversation we had in office hours earlier this week. And Jamie started kind of giggling at the same time that when she was teasing you about you your wanna, bag full of memories. You yeah. Yes. Uh, so what I did is I uh, went through all my flash drives at one point and I showed the ladies, I had this Ziploc, like a quart size Ziploc that has like almost 40 um, flash drives in it. And so Jamie calls me that my, my Ziploc of uh, memories, my plastic mm -hmm. memories or plastic bag yeah. full of memories, plastic bag full of memories that you just carry around with yourself. Yes. That's our Depeche yeah. Mode lyric for the week. <laughs> It was a great line. That was really fun. Yeah, it was. Before we move on to you, Jamie, I just want to highlight some um, chat going on already. Oh, yay. We have chatters. Hi, yep. chatters. Uh, Maria says, hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Happy you, Happy New Year. Maria. Gigi is also there saying hello. Hi, Gigi. Hey, Gigi. Hi, Gigi. Gigi's back in town. Yep, she's back. So um, she... Maria says, is that a metaphor, Jamie, or do you sit by a campfire at Christmas? Oh, so go ahead and answer nice? that, and then you can move into your what's up. Okay, yeah, it's it's a metaphor, but I mean, like, I, I almost sat around a campfire at Christmas. There was a Christmas party, which is very strange here in Florida, that you can schedule an outside party in December, and your concern is, like, not you know, like the weather, it's really, really weird. But for Christmas, I traveled to Michigan and went home to my family Christmas. Here's what's really funny. Do you know what I did? I walked into the wrong house on Christmas Eve. Jennifer doesn't know this story. Because oh. she, because when I was in Michigan, I was able to get together with a couple of you ladies, but Jen was, uh, it, she was really sick. So anyway, but the point is on Christmas Eve, there was like all of these directions of how to like go to my cousin's house. Cause it was the first time he was hosting it. And so it was like, don't park on this side of the street or you'll get towed, come into the door in the garage and leave both parking spots for your mom. Cause my mom had like a broken pelvis once upon a time. Hmm. Anyway, the point is I knew this was the house because there was a Jeep and a truck in the driveway. That's what my parents drive. Right. And my husband's like, I don't know. The address isn't matching. I'm like, should I go to the front door? The kids are like, no, no, we're supposed to go in through the garage. So all five of my family members just go busting in on these people's Christmas. And we're like, 
hi. And I'm looking, I'm like, I don't know any of these faces. So I'm thinking, well, my cousin maybe invited some people that he doesn't know or something. And, and I'm looking, the lady's filling her plate from the stove and she's all like, hi. And I'm like, I think we're in the wrong house. And they're like, we think so too. And so I turned around to leave and here comes Charlie trying to bolt out the door behind me. He's this big fat dog. I think he was like something with the curly ears, one of those spaniel breeds. And they're like, Charlie, Charlie. I'm like, no, no, Charlie, you have to stay here. So. <laughs> Anyway, that was a big joke at our family Christmas. They're like, every year I have to pop my head in the door and say, just checking in on you guys. Are you all okay? <laughs> Did so, your family that you were visiting know these people so they could like later say she's not Barely, not barely, because oh. my cousin just moved in there. You know what I'm saying? It's like the new neighbors. So I'm sure that they're like not impressed. Well, I don't know. Right. I mean, it was Christmas and they were friendly. My family's all like, you're lucky you didn't get shot, but this was obviously a holiday party. And they, I wonder how long they would have let me stay. You know, oh they would have let me fill a plate and sit around and hang out with them because aren't we just all a little bit nicer at Christmas? It seems oh, like. Oh yeah, for sure. We would not have let you leave. Oh my gosh. That's, that's <laughs> the best ever. Oh my word. I've heard of wedding crashers. I've never heard of Christmas crashers. That oh my gosh. So Can classic. you imagine this happening to Rhonda? She would get this like excited look at, Oh, who are you? Oh, come in and tell us. You know what tell I mean? Your story. She would be like, yes, you would totally want this to be like, now you are in our family. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. Just, I want to backtrack for a quick second though. Just, I have a comment to make about the fire, the campfires. Um, I, there are a ton of Hallmark Christmas movies where people sit around campfires and make s'mores. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, I know we're from Michigan. So if you're outside in December around a campfire, you're nuts because I, you would have to be standing in the middle of it to be warm enough. I know. Right? It's funny because we went to, um, like, I never skied. So Rhonda knows, but my kids like to ski. And the culture there is just so interesting. Like, you're outside. Like, they have Adirondack chairs and campfire pits and everything. So and people, people hang. I know. I know. It, but they, they dress for it. They dress for it and they... And plus, you've been skiing, so you're you're sweaty and you're sweaty and hot. And see, these movies aren't like that. They're like you know, like oh, it's our Christmas tradition. Let's go roast a s'more. No, my Christmas tradition is like get me some eggnog and I'm putting slippers on and staying warm. But then I'm thinking, okay, so maybe this is supposed to be like people. If people like live in like let's say Tennessee. For those of you that aren't American, like that's kind of the middle of our country. So where it's chilly, but it's not Michigan chilly. And so I'm like, maybe it's them. And I'm like, no, when you watch these movies, there's snow everywhere. If there's snow everywhere, it is cold enough that you should not be out there roasting a marshmallow. There's lots of other food to be had at Christmas time. Like I, I don't agree. even understand it. If I'm so. having a marshmallow at Christmas time, it is floating in my hot chocolate yes. or melted and stuck to some Rice Krispies. That is <laughs> yeah. the only time I'm eating a marshmallow at Christmas. All right, well, I, can I just have to say that um, having grown up in Alaska, it's colder here in the winter to me. Is it really? Yeah, because we, I was in, I lived in a valley, so I had mountains on either side, and then we had cloud cover most of the time, and it kind of insulated us. Huh. Um, and I feel like it feels colder here. But the temperatures are about the same. I, I can see that we have quite, I'm sorry. I thought you were, were you done? No, I'm, I'm done. Okay. I can see that we have quite a few people viewing us. Only a couple of you are chatting it up. So if you are viewing this and haven't said anything yet and have something to say about s'mores, I would love to hear it. If you are from an area where s'mores at Christmas time are a thing 
and the Hallmark Channel has it right on, then let me know. But if not, I'm convinced that the Hallmark Channel is just trying to create these like cutesy little scenes that don't really exist in real life. I know. I almost feel like secretly putting s'more ingredients around the campfire at the next like Christmas thing and watching people kind of look around like, are we supposed to make s'mores? Like yeah. to see if they embrace the idea or see if they're like, this is weird. Well, yeah, I guess in Florida, I can imagine a campfire. I want to like next Christmas, do a get my husband, convince him. <laughs> To do a campfire and just tell everyone, oh, there's a fire out back and see what happens. And people are going to be like, okay, no one's going to go to it. Nobody is going to go out to this campfire. I guarantee it. All right. Real quick. Maria says that she had a nice break, but Christmas Day itself was very busy. Hubby had six services over Christmas Eve day, including midnight communion and 8 a.m. communion. All right. I want to do a shout out for not only pastors, but other people that have to work on Christmas because you don't think about that if you're not one of those people. Yeah. But, um, you know, every year we drive by the gas station on the way to my parents' house. And I think I should have made up a plate of goodies for these people because they here oh, they what are. what a good idea. You know, so I, I got to remember to do that next year because I really feel like that would be a great blessing to these poor people that have to work, right? Boy, and you your don't list think about is just growing for next Christmas. You got to make a campfire. You got to make a goodie to the gas station guy. That's a good idea. Gigi says that she had, she's totally surprised her five Aww. and two-year-old grandbabies. They had no idea. That's so great. Aww. Oh, Gigi's got a picture of herself now. Look how funny you are. Oh, I, I, I love it when you guys use real pictures. Five years old and two years old is still so small that their energy just bursts out of their body when they see you. Grandma, you know, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Maria says, never had eggnog. Not really a thing here. What? Not missing anything. Nope. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought eggnog originated in England. It's I, I thought it was. A, I thought it was an English thing too. The nog part. Not. Is, yeah, so is it Scottish then? Is it like oh, I don't know. Um, that might be. Yeah. Because and maybe we're thinking of grog. <laughs> it rhymes. And not nog. Well, original eggnog is loaded with liquor, right? So saying it's from Scotland, probably a pretty good guess. But. Yeah, I think it was literally meant to preserve eggs, like with really? all of the alcohol. I think so. Wow. I think that's the deal. Mm. Hmm. Uh, we, finally, Barb speaks up. She's always our ah, stalker. She's ah. always there, but never says anything. Barb. Barb says, I could see melting marshmallows like melting snowballs, but not s'mores. I agree. Mm. All right. Egg, eggnog originated from early medieval Britain. Hmm. See, you Maria, were right, Jennifer. Maria, you're so not English enough for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I'm just teasing. You do not. She does not know me well enough for me to be giving her a hard time. I'm really oh, sorry. Um, it was drunk by monks, so maybe that's why. Drunk oh, by monks. Well, that's like a ringing endorsement. Drunk right. by monks. Or was it drunk, drunk by monks since what year? Since 1647. Or well, what? ever since I saw the Disney movie of um, Robin Hood, I just assumed all monks were drunk. Oh, <laughs> Maria says, Googling eggnog now. LOL. She says, I'm not English. I'm Welsh. We'll see. This is oh, where Americans are ignorant. Wow. We're like, I'm eh, very ignorant. I'm yeah, very I know ignorant. it's not the same, but uh, she, goes, <laughs> she said, so there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All she's right. been great. So Maria obviously does know me well enough that I can give her a hard time. All right. Author Barbara Hartzler says, got to wonder how many Hallmark movies had the characters roasting s'mores. It feels like a lot. It did feel, she said it felt like a lot. It did. It felt like every single movie this year. Not that I watched them all. Because uh, the rest yeah. of the, because the rest of the movies are so realistic. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. All right. So now 
real quick, we know that the romance genre, novels, and and I can say this because this is what I write, there are tropes. No. And I get that. No. Yes. But it's what you do with those tropes that make you a good writer because yes. there's this expectation. There's going to always be a happily ever after. There's always going to be the meet cute. And then there's going to be things that keep them apart because if there wasn't, then it'd be a boring story. I mean, there's all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there are certain hallmark twer twerps. Tropes. Tropes. <laughs> no, no tropes and tropes. And one of them that I'd never thought about until my <laughs> steps, my stepson who just left to go back to college had pointed out to me, he's like, how come every single one of these movies, uh, there's cheating? I'm like, what? He's like, there's always someone cheating on someone. He's like, there's always someone with a boyfriend and then another guy comes along who's better. And I'm like, hmm. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've made it very, like, I really, I'm never going to write a story like that. Cause I agree. Like, even if you're just dating, if you're not happy, then you get out. You don't start dating someone else in the middle yep. of it. So interesting. As a side note, there's an excellent song by Hank Williams Jr. called your cheating heart. If you don't know it, you should. All right. That's all. All right. All right. Well, that was right, a fun conversation. going in my head. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I always love that. That's probably this and our writing is probably the, my favorite parts of the podcast, but it is time for us to move on to our topic of today. And I had tweeted earlier this week and then today that, um, and I did a couple of Instagram stories just to like let everyone know that it was going to be a fun one. And it is going to be fun. Jamie came to us earlier this week and she's like, I want to read something to you. And I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm on, well, I'm not going to really tell too much. And we all read it and I said, I don't want to discuss it. I want this to be our podcast this week. So it is the beginning of the year. And I don't know if every country is like this, but the United States is certainly like this, is that new year, new plan, new goals, new resolutions. Everyone gets kind of crazy about it. And so um, planning as an author, you have to plan for your business. And so we kind of have this thing. We did it last year. We did a whole planning series of how we plan and, and planners to use and things like that. And so Jamie, um, who has um, really kind of kickstarted one of her websites that she has, um, had a blog post. And we were going to share that today first and then have a discussion on that. So okay, take it away, Jamie. All right. I titled this piece, I'm Going to Buy a Planner. Of course, the moment I type these words, my mind attempted to sing them to the tune of, I'm going to hire a wino. <laughs> I digress. It is January and is thus time for all the good little boys and girls to go carefully document and outline their goals for the new year. To make things extra special fun, it is also the beginning of a new decade. Is there anything more full of promise? Picture the moment you discovered your last planner. As you stood in the Barnes and Noble, juggling your venti mocha choca butter crunch with two extra shots, flipping through the pages of Mrs. Sassy's Planner for Cat Lovers, you stared in gate mouth awe at the moments spread out before you, like the first glimpse of the first real snow of winter as yet untrampled by Father Time's ungainly footsteps. Yet here he comes. Less than a week into things when your planner still has nary a crack in the spine, while every page is still securely attached to its pre-perforated self, Father Time comes a-sneaking up from the depths of the decade you've left behind, dragging along not just Death, who seems a distasteful yet apparently necessary companion, 
but also piles of laundry and stacks of bills and long lines at the gas station and an inconceivable amount of trifling inconveniences and pettinesses, all poised to distract you from what is really important as you make this journey through a decade of promise. Or maybe that's just me. Look, I'm not one to disappoint a gal. So take it away with all the planners. It's your time, boo. It's yet another holiday. And it's one that is well kept indeed by those of you with organized desks and piles of pretty craft items to beautify your life in advance. Go on, you rascal. Color in your days. Turn all your Wednesdays orange because orange is your least favorite color. And on Wednesdays, you meet with your personal trainer. Color the Sundays, your favorite color if you'd like, and Easter and Christmas too while you're at it. Planner calendars consist of little squares of potential just begging for your printed promises. Alas, those of us cut from my particular bolt of fabric see your delight in these festivities and merely give the side eye to our pile of abandoned planners from decades past. And with our new 2020 vision, we observe nothing but a heaping pile of condemnation. This is not a complaint. It is not a problem for which I seek a remedy. It is merely a statement of fact. I state it to help you understand why a gal like me can't celebrate planner season with you all. What gals like me need is a whole lot less of that sprinkle dust called expectations. I know, I know. I could preach a five-point sermon on the benefits of goal setting and proper planning. Could give you a list of reasons as long as the day why mapping out your career journey is a wise plan of action. I can make a case as airtight as my attorney would like about why I should have a planner. And maybe that's right. Maybe I should have a planner. But maybe I should rethink its purpose. Imagine a planner that doesn't quite expect so much from you. What I need is a planner that says, you're right, life is full of promise and potential, but things don't always work out the way you thought they would, and that's okay, as opposed to a chronicle of all the times I failed to meet my own expectations. Maybe I do need to get myself a planner. Maybe I can color each of my Wednesdays red and arbitrarily remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ when I dust off my forgotten planner in July to see what the day has in store for me. Maybe I can open it up to a random page and make myself some edifying artwork and then do it again and again. I can send messages to my future self from this day of ultimate optimism. Maybe since the year is fresh and so is my mindset, this is the time to prepare against the buffeting of sin in this world. Maybe now is the time to scatter seeds of remembrance throughout the year, reminders of who Christ is and who I am in Christ, and that every second, every moment can be the beginning of something new. Maybe I can see the potential of each and every moment. Well, maybe not this first year. But wait, wait, cry the voices of the detractors. Traditional goal setting has built-in rewards. You're missing out. Aren't you giving up the opportunity to clap yourself on the back for keeping a promise to yourself? Yes, yes, I am. But I find personally, I take a lot of pride in that. And it isn't a good kind of pride. Couldn't you achieve a lot more for the Lord if you were more organized? Yes guilty as charge. I mean, I'd say definitely, but not positively. Oh, well. Maybe it's sinful to say, oh, well, and not particularly strive to be more effective in the work I do for the Lord. But I'm feeling more like being a Mary than a Martha here, choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and moon over his absolute wonderfulness than to work super hard to please him. And as a child of the Most High King, don't I get a free pass to do that just whenever? At least that's what I'm telling myself. 
look, a very valid case could be made that the correct course of action would be for me to whip myself into shape or get my act together or even make a commitment to my career and my future by mapping out my career goals, putting dates in a planner, using the planner, you know, in the way it was intended. Why won't I just buckle down and improve my life? But I've tried that over and again. Remember that side-eyed pile of planners? I've never really not tried. I've never really surrendered to the idea that I'm sort of chaotic and random. I have good intentions. I show up when I remember. What happens if I simply embrace that? I'm going to try that this year. Try less, trust more. Let's see how that works. Love, love. Okay, so I didn't want to give away too much, but Jamie had come to us and had asked us to read it because she wanted to make sure that it wasn't offensive. And if it was going to offend anybody, it was going to offend Rhonda or me, right? Rhonda is the queen of planning and I'm kind of like pseudo planner. Like I like to plan, it doesn't, but I kind of like fade off as the year goes on. So first of all, let's discuss the writing. Great writing, Jamie. Yeah, you have a way... First of all, you're hilarious and you are so authentic in your writing, like uh, not only in your fiction, but in your blog posts and things, your nonfiction, you're so funny and so authentic that even when you weren't reading that, when I read it to myself quietly, I heard your voice mm -hmm. and I heard the inflection. I heard the fun and I was laughing, you know, I was trying not to laugh out front because as soon as I got through the first couple sentences, I knew I was going to ask you for this to be our podcast. And so I didn't want you to see my reaction. I wanted to save that all. Um, but the way that you put the comedy in there and then it started out so funny and then it turned serious and you, you brought in like the spiritual aspect and, and like your true raw center of who you are as far as like how this, you know, how you're not a planner, but you made it like you really let us inside of your soul. And I just really appreciate that. And I also appreciate that you call planner season a holiday. So that was awesome. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it is. This is like another holiday. All of the resolution sort of season, isn't it? It's great. I mean, I partake for sure, even though, you know, I pretend to be above resolutions. I totally start to take a look at how things are regrouping, resetting, whatever. It's an, it's another holiday. I love it. What were your thoughts, Rhonda? I'm very curious since for anyone who has watched this this podcast for more than a week, you'll know that Rhonda is the planner organizer, the the Bujo queen of our group. So what what were your thoughts when you read it? Well, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now, I, the, okay, the bottom half of it, the spiritual side, I really appreciated that a lot. So I'm not even going to comment on that. But the beginning of it, <clears throat> you just have to do it your own way. You know, the great thing about a Bujo is that you do what works for you. And if it's just a to-do list every day, or if it's a, um, a list of things that you can do, because if you do these things, it'll stop you from accomplishing anything. Um, it's a bujo is what you want it to be. It's as pretty artful or plain as you need it to be. Agreed. So it doesn't have to be a taskmaster or a, um, Yep. or a chronicling of right i do like to be very obedient to mine you like to be what obedient to mine but you know you don't That's have personality yeah yeah like there for there are lots of times in my life that post-it notes on my mirror are the what motivates me because I get you I almost sometimes can become blind to my planner and if something's really important I have to put something new up 
You know, mm-hmm. like if I if I tied a string to my finger every single day, I would mm-hmm. stop looking at my fingers, right? It's kind of like that. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like you are a very creative in, in lots of different ways in different areas and maybe your planning, you don't even realize you're, because I'm going to get to this too. I, mean, I want Tina mm-hmm. to have a time to comment, but you do plan and I'm going to point it out to you, like, but it's in a oh, different sure. way. And yeah, and what's funny about what you said, Jennifer, is we had a closet and the kids kept forgetting to close it. So I taped a sign on the inside that said, close this door, close me or something. And what was so funny was someone who visited me saw the sign. I said, the fact that you can see this sign just shows you it does not work. Because <laughs> Right, because the, the door's, door's open. Been closed, yes. <laughs> but nobody sees the sign anymore, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, author Barbara Hartzler says, wow, great closing line, Jamie. Oh, thank you. Absolutely great. Tina, you got any thoughts? Um, I just loved the the Jamie in that Mm -hmm. because, you know, she's like, um, what what was that word that you used the other day? And we actually had to look up the definition to make sure it was the right word. Uh, I I was teasing her that the word didn't exist. It was a real word, but I was like. Yeah, which meant like obstinately stubborn about being told what to do like that's my total paraphrase right it wasn't petulant was it yeah it was mm. i'm pretty sure it was because i was like mm. doesn't that mean disease <laughs> it's petulant. right right so like i'm not dumb <laughs> when it great. comes to words but you were like you were like a walking thesaurus like uh, you always throw words out there and i like makes me feel like i'm in kindergarten but like, you want to know mm, what really truly happened to me was i learned this world called word called hanani tina you would love the word if you don't already know it. i bet you do but it's this word that means here I am and not just here I am, but here I am an empty vessel ready to do your work, Lord. It's very much like, Hanani, like, like the, it's the word that, uh, that little kid used when God kept calling him and the teacher said, Next time. yeah, I, I think, I think it was used there, but it's used for sure when Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac and all of that. But the point is, I was so happy that I remembered that word that I literally was like, yay. And I was like, thank you, God, for letting me learn a new word. And I think that everybody has something like that, that like some people really love to run or whatever. And so like if you can find that thing, that's always so fun to really celebrate and thank God for that gift that you got Mm -hmm. to learn a new word or got to run or whatever. Anyway, I digress. Well, when Jamie shared this with us and the reason why I really felt it was important for us to make this a podcast, not just to showcase such great writing, but also because, you know, we all know she can write and that she's very good at it. But I feel like not everybody is like Rhonda. There are a lot of people out there that are exactly like Rhonda and have their bujos and they're all set. There are a lot of people like me and Tina who are somewhere in between, you know, and I am planning and Tina's got a planner and, and like that. There are a lot of people like that. But Jamie, I think, often feels like an island by herself. And I want her to understand. And I think that um, the other people that are watching this will agree there are a lot of people that are in the same boat as you, Jamie, but are not bold enough to say it. There are probably a lot of authors out there that are taking courses, that are watching the YouTube videos, that are following people on Instagram and like, oh, if I don't do this planner this way, if I don't plan map out all of my releases, I'm never going to be successful. And that's not true. If that's your personality and you don't do it, then you probably won't be successful. But like like Rhonda was kind of hinting at for Jamie, it's like you had to find who you are in everything in life. You had to find out who you are as a writer, but I think you also have to find out who you are as a planner. So I'm going to give another little bit of insight from this week. I um, asked Jamie to, to video chat with me because Jamie is my editor 
and I do some graphic work for Jamie. That's we trade out work for each other. And um, I was planning out my year. I knew she wasn't planning her year and I didn't want to give her hives or anything, but I could not plan my year out without making sure that like, if I send you this book in this month, is that going to impede what you're doing? Cause, and she had answers because she knows even though she doesn't do a planner, she has in her mind what she wants to accomplish and what she's got going on. And mm -hmm. I don't like, if I don't write it down, it probably isn't going to happen. So that's just a difference in personality. So I would um, like to like, not argue, but point out to you, Jamie, that you are who you are. Planner doesn't work for you, but you have, you're driven and you're goal oriented in your own way. And you have, um, you have things going on. Like, I don't want people to think that you're just, you know, not doing stuff. And I want to encourage people that are watching this that feel a little bit more like Jamie, like the planners give you hives and it feels like more of an expectation on you or another commitment than it does like freeing. Like it frees me. Mm -hmm. I feel it feels so good to check something off. Sometimes I write things down that I've already done mm -hmm. just to check them off. And I thought I was the only one. I found out there's a whole community of people out there that do the same thing. But if you're not like that, that's fine too. Yeah. So, Rhonda's little hand went up for people mm -hmm. who are um, audio only this podcast. I have something to say, but I don't, if someone's been waiting to talk, I don't want to be. There. Well, I just wanted to say the word that I'm was recalcitrant. Recalcitrant. Oh. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Wow. That's and, a really big word. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that said it. I <laughs> so we had this whole thing where I like looked up the definition oh, and put funny. it in the chat. So I was able to go back to the chat and find it because I couldn't think of what it was. But you know, I, I feel like I um I I relate to that a lot, the recalcitrant, like don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Like if I decide that I want to do a planner, then that's fine, but don't tell me that I need to. Well, that's like I had so, totally have that uh, that um, mindset. I'm so glad that you said that because I mean it's really interesting when you bandy about this word that is success, okay? Because successful people have planners. Successful people get out of bed and get on the treadmill every morning at nine o'clock. Those kinds of things, you know, the 10 habits of highly effective people and that kind of um, how to win sort of steps. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It feels like it is a for sure thing that you follow this program of success and then you are sort of deserved the success. Like you plant and then you harvest. And that's all well and good and everything. But the challenge then is to decide for yourself how much you want that particular variety of success and conform or not, but to own your own choices. If you want to do the work to become uh, the, the person who achieves the way the 10 Habits of Highly Successful People Guy achieves, then you need to commit to either becoming or pretending to be that kind of a person. You understand? If you, in, and you can, you can work to, to change yourself to kind of fit into that mold or sort of whatever. But I just decided to kind of abandon that kind of success and not pretend that I deserve it because I'm not going to be that person. So any no, success not that I get, well, that's what I'm saying. 
So any success that I get will be just kind of me stumbling into it, I guess, because I'm not going to follow these systems. And it's like, it feels rebellious, but it's just not who I am. And so any success I get will feel unmerited because I'm just refusing to play that game. Mm -hmm. Oh, I if we have to follow those systems to be successful, I might as well just give up now. Yeah, my heart. There's no way I can do it. My heart is breaking right now for you, Jamie. Because let me just tell you, I'm not Stephen Covey. So, like, I do enjoy reading those kind of that kind of uh, self help books occasionally. I do like going to conferences and learning things, mm -hmm. but I don't become that person. I might gain one or two things because I'm not that person. If God had made us that way, they'd be different, but He didn't. I mean, I, the scripture tells us that we are all different parts of the body and that he does not expect us to be exactly like each other. So you might get something from mm -hmm. the seven habits. Maybe there's one thing you'll get from it. Maybe there's nothing. And that's okay because you're not Stephen Covey. Yeah. People that I, prescribe to that, like do that you have to do everything. They're not, they're mm -hmm. not, it doesn't last. I don't think they're being honest. Well, that's exactly right. it. This is exactly at the heart of what I'm talking about. Like what is authentically you because everybody is chasing after becoming the next, I don't know, pick an author, pick a speaker, pick a singer, pick a whatever. And I just wish I could be like so-and-so or as famous as so-and-so or have the success of so-and-so or whatever. But God already done made one of those people. Right. So it's interesting how sometimes we, and I'm talking about me, will buy into a program or an idea or a, because we really do think it will turn us into one of these successful kind of people instead of just really being like, well, who am I and what is the uniqueness that God put into me? And, and if, and if, if anybody finds that interesting, okay. But frankly, if you look around, you'll be so entertained. You would not ever turn on the television again, just by the kinds of characters and personalities that are out there in the world. But we just don't appreciate everybody. We only appreciate certain ones. The ones that are making money. And the ones that are, you know, yeah, I, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true too. But like, you know, we, we keep throwing the word success around and I don't want to get too far off on a tangent because um, I know we still have our writing to read yet. But like, it also depends on how you are qualifying success. Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, um, oh gosh, Elizabeth, mm, her husband, yes. So Elizabeth Elliot, her husband died in the mission field. Dead. Like, dead. And um, was not famous at all. But if you guys don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is, you need to look her up and read her story, read about her husband. His ministry and his death have affected more people in the world than I think he ever dreamed. And I would count him a success, even though he died young and didn't wasn't able to finish what he thought was God's calling on his life. But clearly God's calling on his life was far beyond what he could ever imagine. And he'd already done everything he needed to do. And God called him home. I'm I not know, saying I want God calling any of us home. But what I'm saying is we have to stop looking at success from the world standard. And right. just do a, if God gives you a story, write that story. And if no one reads it, you don't know that the, maybe you were always supposed to write that for one person. You don't know. And so quit worrying about what success is to the world. Mm -hmm. I aim like, amen. That's just really awesome. That yeah. says it all in Jim Elliott. Imagine yes, Jim. when he was going over there, imagine the people that said, you fool, you yeah. fool, you'll be killed. You know what I'm saying? And all of those people who actually rejoiced, I told you so. Like, yes. I told you so is from the pit of hell, I will tell you. And it's like, 
Now he's dead. She's a widow. Imagine your husband is dead and everybody told him you're going to go over there and get killed. And now you have to be like showing up at everything and knowing people are thinking, I told him he would be killed. Imagine being her like mm -hmm. that is some suffering. Anyway, sorry. Now I'm on a tangent. But right. So to bring this back round circle, you plan the way that works for you Amen. and be successful the way God intends you to be successful. But just know that we're going to continue to push you. All, everyone <laughs> listening, like we're saying all this, but at the same time, we're still going to tell you, put your butt in the seat and be writing and, you know, listen to God and, and do that writing and do the work. And sometimes it is work. It's not always fun. Right. But, yeah. but don't, don't work to the point that you're doing instead of being. Amen. God, so. Very good, Jen. I didn't mean to preach, but preach, know, girl. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit comes on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts, ladies? Before I before we do leave, though. Any? Sorry, I, I said any last thoughts and kept talking. Nope. Good. <laughs> All right. So we now know. <laughs> we now know Jamie's planner, planner, and her plan for planning. I, I think, though, that real quick, I would like to like have each of the rest of us kind of like touch really quickly on what our plan is, what how we plan, because there probably are some listeners out there that are looking for they're new to writing and are looking for some help in planning. So I'm going to start with you, Rhonda, just a, a couple minutes or less. Share mm -hmm. with us what you do. Okay, just planning in general or what you use? What? Yeah, what you use. We have a whole episode on Bujo. So if mm -hmm. they want to go back and look at that, they can. But yeah, what you do. So, okay. So this is mine right here. And basically, what I do is, you know, I've got calendars in there and stuff. But every day I sit down and um, as soon as I get up, I just get everything off of my mind because I'm the kind of person, I'm probably more like Jamie than Jamie realizes. But if someone needs something done, tell me what they want done and then get out of my way. Just yeah. let me accomplish it in whatever way is the best way for me to do it. So that goes for my bujo also. It, it's not, it is the boss of me, but it's not really the boss of me. So um, my to-do lists are very sparse. I don't have very detailed things because I know in my mind how I want to accomplish it. So I don't need to spend the time writing it. <coughs> Um, Bless you. Thank you. And also, um, you know, things might change. Um, uh, I thought it just totally went on my head. Oh, and that's the thing too, is that the best thing that my bullet journal has done for me is take the chaos out of my head. Mm -hmm. When I don't have to think of all these things, keep them all organized in my mind mm -hmm. and I've got them done on paper, Same. I can just let that go. And Same. That, that is the biggest change in my life. My bullet journal has given me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right, Christina Katane, how about you? I know you got a, a new one, right? That you're I, well, this isn't new. I got it in September. Oh, okay. Um, so like you can see, like here's one of my weeks that I'm I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make you big. Hold on a second. Okay. I think I can do that, right? If I can remember how to do that. Ah, never mind. Go ahead. Anyway, here's one of my weeks, like back in the beginning when I first got it, where I was feeling all inspired. And like, here's my month. And then, okay, so then. Tell us the name of your planner. It's a Christian planner. It's the just Christian. called the Christian planner. Oh, it's the one. Mm -hmm. And then like, here's the last month. So as you can see, as time went on, all my excitement for stickers and decorating it and stuff has kind of waned. But what it's really helping me with is keeping track of 
my bills. I put my bills in here at the beginning of the month on the date they're due. And then when I pay them, I highlight them in orange. And it, it gets oh, that's got to feel good. That's got to feel yeah, good when you can highlight them, right? Like, yeah. It's become, it's become my financial planner. It's mm -hmm. really. Oh, yeah. And I am writing other, like, appointments and stuff in there. But I really, really am using it as a financial. Like, this is the date this is due. I That's paid. Like, I paid some off recently. And mm -hmm. that felt really good because I, like, drew a black line through them. <laughs> So that's basically, mm -hmm. but if this is a great planner, if you're looking for one, it has a place at the end of every week for sermon notes and Bible study notes, and Ooh. it has scriptures on every page. And so Ooh. All right. Awesome. All right. So planning is, I'm kind of new to it only for the past like three years have I really gotten serious about it. And I started off with a happy planner, um, the big one, because I thought the, the little ones were too small. And then it was just so bulky because these are, these discs are great because you can keep adding to it. That's what I needed. Planners never had worked for me because it did, didn't have everything I needed. So I had to have a planner and a journal and all these other yep. things didn't work. So mm -hmm. I started with and I really love, I was going through this last night and I was kind of sad that I didn't go with a happy planner again this year because there are so many great things you can buy. I mean, like that's what the layout looks like, but like my finances were in here as well. And, and, um, I, and there's pockets, which that's the greatest thing is be able to put things in pockets in your pockets planner. It was just so heavy and bulky that I never wanted to take it with me anywhere. So Rhonda had introduced me to the Bujo and I would politely listen and I looked at hers which was beautiful <laughs> and I thought, I ain't got time for that. Like there's all this, like you create everything yourself. Like you, like it's all these dotted lines and then you draw out your calendar and you write beautiful. And I loved, loved how it was able to be changed to way the way you wanted and how you worked. I love that, but I didn't have time for that. So I kind of did last year, I did kind of a mixture. This is just a regular, those black and white co composition books, which you use for boojoing but I just bought a regular plain one because what I did was I printed um, these layouts from a company a website called Scattered Squirrel. If you've not heard of Scattered Squirrel, you need to head on over to their website. It's free stuff. Love that name so yes, much. I do too. She has all these, she's like, you can get lost for a day and they're looking at all the printables she has. And then I use stickers that I got for my other thing, my happy planner. And this worked really well for me. So I decided to do it again this year. Um, so I, it, it worked really well. I also, I scrapbooked it because I like to, I wanted to be creative. Say, I yeah, thank you. It's a bunch of different papers and stuff. And mm -hmm. I used stickers and I used post-it notes inside of it. I loved it, but I didn't have time this year to scrapbook. So I had this journal from a company called Markings with, with a faux leather cover. And I just really loved it. And it's like held up really good. So I went all over trying to find one because I bought it at Walgreens and they didn't, they only had a really ugly red one. So I went all over town finding, <laughs> I bought a purple one, very similar at Walmart that I ended up just giving to my daughter. Cause I finally found this one mm -hmm. rose gold. How Ooh. pretty is that? Oh, that is so pretty. Yeah. And I found this rose gold. Um, oh. So this is what this year's calendars look like. I don't know if you can see that really well on so there. Pretty. And that's the thing too. Like this girl, Vicky from our writing group, you guys know who Vicky is. Oh, we love Vicky. She, I like look at her and it's like her whole life is decorated. And I'm just like, wow, she's so like everything she touches is this wonderful, fun, beautiful. Like, how could you not want to interact with these objects? Because yes. she's such good taste at picking out just like, 
beautiful stuff. And that's how I feel looking at your planner, Jennifer. Like, how could you not want to pick up that planner and interact with it every day? Because it's so beautiful. Right. And I need to do that. And I'm, but the funny thing is, is that this is probably costing me almost as much as if I were to buy a planner, like one of those expensive ones that you oh, can buy. Oh, yeah. But it's, However, it's yours, right? And yeah. And look at how thick it is. And I'm not even done. But I like how thick it is. To me, it feels right. almost like a, like, a found like old leather bound, yep. you know, but that yep. mm -hmm. this is how my mind works and how I work creatively. And yes, like mm -hmm. I do everything in this, my social media calendar is in here. There's a, if you want something just for social media, there is a planner called the, um, the content planner, look them up on Instagram or online. Great. I've not used them, but, um, it looks great and it looks like it's expensive, but once you buy everything, the stickers and everything that are included, it's pretty reasonable. Um, and then, scattered squirrel. Those are the two things I suggest, but yeah, this works for me. So like we've been saying this whole thing, find something that works for you and, and just run with it. Barb B twice in one episode, ladies, twice. <laughs> Barbie says my planner is accountability. My personality requires that maybe it's from years working under deadlines at a newspaper. If there's no deadline there, there's no need to get it done. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. I kind of need deadlines too. And then like mm -hmm. the last minute I'm like, I gotta make the deadline. Yeah. So, yeah. I might do an Instagram story later on about planning out social media or what is actually inside of mine. We don't have time now, but I might do that. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, go on over there and give us a follow. Uh, you could follow me as well. Jen Carlton. Uh, and our Instagram is Christian Indie writers. So I might do that later on this week. So. Um, I don't know why there's a delay in our chat in the software here, but Maria says, I bought a two-year writing calendar that was on Twitter, but I haven't always used it. Sometimes it's just jotting stuff in notebooks, pieces of paper. I'm an unorganized planner. And that's yeah, so fine. That's, yeah. yeah, that's me, yeah. right? Yeah. I've got all sorts of clips from all my little pieces of extra paper. They're all clipped together, but mm -hmm. that's what I do too. Is I, If I have a thought, I have to write it down or it's gone. I should point out there is a pocket in the back of the Christian planner. I gotta make a pocket. I don't care where a pocket is, if it's on a skirt or on a bujo. Pockets are always pockets. Yes, that's like a thing that's become into the Overton window. How come women don't ever get as many pockets as they need ever? And I don't know. Like we're not expected to want to take anything along with us. It's very strange. Pregnancy pants don't have my husband to put stuff in his pocket. Pregnancy pants don't have pockets. If that isn't the largest oversight, that moms yes. who are, probably have other little kids don't have pockets to stick stuff. That is the Goldfish biggest oversight crackers, ever. Yeah. Know, yeah. Kleenexes, baby butt wipes. Like you Instead, we're expected to carry a baby bag. Uh, those things will break your back. Right. And then yeah, you're going to leave it somewhere. Uh. So this year's planner is not done, but just real quick, here are some of the things that I put in my planner. Uh, besides calendars, I also have a mapping of my releases, like by so that I can see how when I have to have things to the editor if I'm going to release by this date. So that should probably be a whole nother little video that I can do. Mm. Social media newsletter calendar, um, current work in progress, so I can keep track of what I'm doing. I have a whole section on future story ideas with a printable. I should upload that to and then passwords, things like that. So there's lots you can do with your planner instead of just calendaring and. I, like Tina, I started doing my business finances in there. Forgot that I did that because I only kept it up for about six months, which seems like, oh, that's crazy. Well, I only have to go back and figure out what I spent on my business for six months instead of a whole year last year. Well, that's true. My taxes. So I'm not mad at myself for stopping. I'm happy I did it for six months. So yeah. And here's a suggestion for a, a planner page for you guys. Vocabulary words. 
<gasps> yeah. Oh, like uh, that one, retic recalcitrant. Yep. I think I'm just going to call that words Jamie uses. And I'll just keep track <laughs> of all the things I learned from Jamie. You can call my word oh my nerd page. Hey, word Rob nerd, yes. Yeah, it's word nerd. Robin's popping and saying, and my current planner is a passion planner. I'm not super passionate about it. Oh, I've heard Aww. good things about the passion planner, though. So. All right. Well, if it's not passionate for you, then you can move on. Here's your permission. I had a passion planner. I like the Christian one better. A Christian planner. I might have to look at that one for next year. All right, ladies. I know we are running late, but that's okay. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. And whenever it's more chatty, we always go long. So, all right. Now it is and time for And we're recalcitrant about the time anyway. <laughs> for sure. I am like uber recalcitrant and didn't. So we're going to recalcitrate some more. And, oh my and goodness, move, that's awesome. <laughs> and move on to the feeding of the bags. This is the point where we uh, share our little quick rights. We every week before the podcast starts, we do a sprint with different, we choose a different prompt. Often it is just five words. This week it was actually a prompt that Tina came up with. And I'm going to let Tina go first. And Tina, would you share with us the prompt before you share your writing? Sure. Um, the prompt was to tell a familiar story from the point of view of an inanimate object. And I got the idea because I was listening to this song by the Steel Drivers, who are um, an American, it's kind of folk music, um, bluegrass specifically. Um, but Chris Stapleton, he's like a big name in country music. He was the lead singer of the Steel Drivers and I really liked him. So anyway, they have this song called Sticks That Made Thunder and it was a point. It was a civil war battle, from the point of view of a tree on a hill overlooking the battle. And it was it's just a, such a good song. Um, and I it just got me thinking about like we could tell a familiar story from the point of view. Just a heads up, Rhonda and I missed the part of the prompt that was a familiar story. So yeah, oops. Looking forward to sharing mine. All right, Tina, let's hear yours. Well, since I was the one who had the idea, I did remember a familiar story. So I hope it's not the same one I did. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. But I'm even if it ahead. is, I bet you we did it completely differently. I'm sure. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. If I only had arms, I would grab hold of my brothers or the side of the basket. But alas, I did not. So when the girl with the hood, the color of apple skin, decided to skip, I, I was tossed merciless mercilessly to and fro, colliding with my brothers and cousins and even the muffin girls, crumbs dropping from my body. We're all going to crumble apart, cried Chip, unable to hide the panic in his voice. It will be okay, Macadamia Nut said in her sweetly condescending <laughs> way that she had. Just breathe. I was distracted from the jostling that jarred small pieces of pecan from my service. How exactly does one breathe? I asked myself. I concentrated really hard, focused intently on each moment as it passed, but I was not illuminated. I don't think cookies breathe, I said, but nobody was listening to me because the hooded girl had stopped and was talking to somebody who asked where she was going. I'm taking this basket of cookies to my grandma, she said. Everybody gasped. Peanut butter fainted dead, dead away. A giant smile planted itself on Macadamia Nut's face. One can ask for no greater honor, she said in her nasally way, than to be a cookie bound to be given as a gift to a grandma. It could be no other way, for to be given to a child who will drop our crumbs on the floor 
is beneath a cookie such as I. You all have been blessed by my presence. Oh, brother, mumbled Hershey kiss, Hershey's kiss, rolling his eyes. Somebody just eat me now. <laughs> then the jostling started again, and it's safe to say that not many of us felt all that blessed as the hooded girl continued her skipping. Raisin lay in pieces on the basket floor by the time we reached Grandma's house, and Hershey had lost his kiss. <laughs> Macadamia Nut made her way to the top of the basket, determined to be the first one eaten. She got that honor almost immediately. Hazelnut made a face at her as, as she was lifted out. Then we heard her yelling, No! I'm meant to be eaten by a grandma, not a wolf! Ooh. Ah! Awesome. That was great. I always knew macadamia nuts were condescending. <laughs> like the, the name itself is condescending. <laughs> the snobs of the nut world. <laughs> They're never included in any mix, notice. They are they like always by themselves. They're so good for that. Yes, because yep. they they're so expensive, but it's so funny. That's hilarious to think about. That was fun. That was really good. Thanks. That was good. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you got the punchline in there, too. Yes. Yeah, I did go over the 15 minutes because I needed my punchline. Yeah. Well, I finished early, so I'm going to go next so that I'm not the one talking the whole time. So, again, I did not. I missed that. Oh, first of all, Gigi says, yay. Love that, Tina. Um, oh, Thanks. Again, I've missed the whole fact that this was supposed to be a familiar event, so bear with me. <clears throat> it's dark here. Very dark. But that's how I like it. Well, I like the darkness here. Not so much the other place. Here, it is dark, warm, and cozy. I am surrounded by my friends and family, nestled in between all those that understand my plight. Those who experience the same experiences endure the same hardships. But out there, beyond the brightness and into the other darkness, I'm alone. I am stretched beyond what I can, what I find comfortable, molded in to fit the shape that the master thinks I should be, wrapped around the master's will, among other things, then plunged into darkness again. But that darkness, the other darkness, I am alone. There is no one to commiserate with, no one to nestle against to pretend that life will always be that way, no one to comfort me when the stench of the other darkness overwhelms me and the moisture sets in, first heating me beyond comfort, then chilling me to freezing when I'm once again pulled from the darkness and into the light. But as bad as the second darkness is, the ceremonial cleansing is worse. The torturous waters engulf me, nearly suffocating me until I think I can breathe no more. Then I am thrown into the vat of heat where the fiery furnace burns away the last of any remaining impurities until I want to scream. But I don't scream. We aren't allowed to make any noise. My siblings surrounding me stiffen as we hear the all-too-familiar creak and light appears in a crack in our fortress. The master's meaty hand reaches in and we all hold our breath. We make not a sound when one of our family is chosen, but inside we all sigh. Sad for our brother, relieved for ourselves. I should feel ashamed, but I don't. I only feel relief for myself. Then, in the darkness once again, I hear the voice of my sister lying next to me. That one has a hole. Panic seizes me when, as if on cue, the drawer the drawer opens again and the ham returns, this time choosing me. Is it eggs? Nope. Is it socks? Yes. In the shoes? Yes. <laughs> that is a familiar story. Is it? Is that yeah, the story of everyone getting dressed? That's a familiar story. Good oh, job. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I was well, thinking like good. a familiar story had to be like, you know, um, I don't know. 
the, uh, pretend that you meant pretend that you meant it. Be yes. like, oh yes, yes. I mastered this spread. <laughs> Knew exactly what I was doing. Me, it had sort of like a medieval, um, like a desperate sort of feel to it. Uh, yeah, I want to point out that it wasn't a romance. It You're was welcome. not. It was not. That's, That's very good. Yeah. Only filial love in this story. Yeah, and it might say something about the distortedness of my brain, but I thought it was a pair of underpants. Well, I mean, kind of the same, except for. And well, I mean, I guess it could be very it could similar. Have a hole but, in it. Yes. It well, your story also makes sense why they know what happens because an egg that would be it lights out. That would be only one time. So right, it's not going to return back to the drawer. Yeah. Very good. I love that, and I love Thank the you. spiritual stuff that you put in there. Mm -hmm. I noticed it's very good. Thank yep. you. Refiner's fire and all that. Yep. All right. Rhonda, I'm choosing you next. Oh, all right. Well, it's going to be really short. Um, since I haven't sprinted in quite a while, I've gone back to the editing as I write thing. And I I need to get back out of it. It's hard right. when, you're, <laughs> when you're out of practice of it. Yeah. It is. Okay. I forgot the familiar story too, but this might be familiar to the four of you or three of you. Uh, I feel so full. A small belch escapes through the microphone. I can't help it. It's her fault. She should know better. She's the real glutton. I hear quick footsteps padding toward me, and I feel a little panic welling up. If I had a forehead, it'd be covered in beads of sweat. She plops in front of me, and I see her forehead is covered in them, but she doesn't seem to be panicked. Her arms stretched above her head as if she's holding a trophy. She's got a smile showing all her teeth, and her eyes are wide and kind of wild-looking. Oh, dear. Look what I found. She, who logs in as Jeannie Wiz, is holding a handful of external drives in one hand and a bag of flash drives in another. <laughs> I gulp and try not to spew a stream of binaries at her. I thought I'd giving her the blue screen of death crossing my mind, but I stifle the urge. Oh, that's what hilarious. I have to take. If she uploads more images, I don't know what I'll do. I just want to crack and digest these. <laughs> The other person, the one who logs in as Data C-3PO, hands her a package from behind me. I can't see what it is, but Jeannie Wiz takes it and reads the back. Data C-3PO says, have mercy on this poor computer. The drive is a whole terabyte. That's it. Oh, so oh, good. I love it. That's familiar? I love it. Yes, that so was familiar. familiar. That is a familiar story. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. You're baggy full of memories. Yeah. That's I so love great. it. I love the computer being like, I thought about giving her the blue screen of death. Like spewing binary code at her. Just so great. I she know. just wants to crash. Because you yeah. do sometimes believe, you do sometimes believe that your computer is kind of like your old horse. And you're like, uh, yeah. come on, Nelly, just pull one more time for me. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Gigi says, cute. Great, Rhonda. Agreed. Mm -hmm. All right, James. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Some say, some might say I'm a bit biased in my accounting of these events, but I'm just saying what I've seen. And you ain't going to find no more reliable witness than yours truly. I've been hanging around with Little Red, literally, for more years than I can count. And I've got the patchwork to prove it. So one day she slings me over her shoulders and scoops up a basket and I'm all excited because, well, goodies, the kid can never be trusted to stay out of the basket, no matter how many times she's told and crumbs invariably make their way down to settle upon me. But this time the basket of goodies is for grandmother. 
Oh, no, I think. Not another afternoon slung over the back of a wooden chair, entirely too close to the wood stove, listening to bursitis woes while doing my best not to combust. I am, after all, 98% wool coated in lanolin. The other 2%, of course, to account for the cotton in one patch, which I believe came from a Sunday school frock, and the mixed fabric that makes up my other patches. I'm pretty sure they come from an old pair of men's long johns, but I try not to think about that too much. So off we go to grandmother's house, and since I'm painfully aware of my afternoon's fate, I do all I can to soak up the fresh air and sunshine while little red prances along the footpath. Gotta say I admire the kid's propensity to stop and smell, and sometimes, as in this case, gather the flowers. In spite of her forgetful and slovenly ways, she appreciates the beauty of the earth. Gotta give her that. But one other thing she's not, and that's obedient. Land sakes, little red, I silently tisk to myself when the wolf approaches and is not immediately shooed away. If her father, the woodcutter, has told her once, he's told her a million times. Little red, stay away from the wolf. He will pretend to be your friend, but he is your foe. Yet what does she do when the old rascal starts sniffing around grandma's goodie basket? She starts yammering away to him, letting him know where we're going, what she's doing, etc. The only good part here is that she actually does break into the goodies at this point, tossing one to the wolf before chowing down herself. And I'm generously sprinkled with snickerdoodle particles. I'm lost in doodle heaven for a while, so I miss how many things shake out with the wolf. And before I can blink, I'm standing at the wood stove in I'm staring at the wood stove in Granny's old cabin. There's the typical conversation, but this time there's a strange quality to Granny's voice that I can't put my finger on, literally, as I have no fingers. And there's a sort of commotion. Someone bumps into the table behind the chair I've been tossed across, and I'm pushed even closer to the wood stove. But there is no danger. The wind is giving the fuel a run for its money today, and Granny has yet to come stoke the fire the way she ought to if things are going to stay consistently warm. I'm not sure what's taking Little Red so long today. She's usually tired of Grandma's stories and setting off for another journey through the wildflowers long before now. I hope she's ready soon. I'm getting kind of cold. That's awesome. That was How so good. You How are did so you guys end up doing... Yeah, how did you guys end up doing the same story? Isn't that funny? It's a popular story, and it just uh -huh. occurred to us. Isn't that funny? So you and haven't had any was... Little Red Riding Hood story or conversations this week with each no, other? Not... No, Wow, that's hilarious. And it's funny because so when I was sitting here getting ready to start, the only thing that would come in my head was Little Red High Riding Hood, and I'm like, no, that's, that's I need something else, but I couldn't think of anything else. And then you guys actually said, maybe we did the same story. Well, we'll see. It probably didn't do the same. <laughs> Why did you even know that? Like, that's so weird. That's it's awesome. Funny. Yeah. yeah. And I love how we had totally different stories. Mm -hmm. I love I that. Agree. I love how yeah. that, that works out. And that used to be something. Remember that other writing group we had, Rhonda and Tina? That was always fun. Yeah. We, we, would, we would assign the same topic to everybody and then just see how it all came out. Like, specific like that, right? Yep. Like, word prompt one thing, but specific stuff is another all yep. i have to say is poor snickerdoodle poor <laughs> yeah i miss him all i have to say is i'm hungry now all it's right so that was really great but it's time for us to go into the dreaded accountability corner we do I not need to talk time. about whether we've met goals or not because it's been two weeks so for those of you just listening Tina just did a dance, which is so, so out of, of character for Tina on the podcast. That's like That's great. how happy I am. Oh, I my goals. yeah. All right. So let's start with you, yeah. Tina. 
Accountability Corner. My manuscript is at the editor. Yay! So, um, I'm now I'm facing the new frustration of taking the cover design for authors course and doing the same exact thing he did, and my thing does not look like his. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So I might have to pay somebody to do it. Well. So. You haven't finished the course yet either, right? And it takes a while. You got to practice. And you guys saw my first covers before I finally settled on one. Like, it takes a while to get it right. So, yeah. Well, well, Tina, I mean, what are, so, okay, what are you doing? So you're doing that. Are you going to be doing any writing while your stuff is at the editor or? Um, I haven't decided that. What's I that? Do have, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rhonda. I just said, can we tell you what to write? Because I have an opinion. <laughs> Wanda has an well, opinion? I, I'm interested in your opinion. I, I might be recalcitrant about it. Oh, <laughs> oh, very good. I just want to see you get back to the Civil War story, because that was really turning out great already. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm torn between the marketing of you know needing to have another book in the same series kind of thing yeah. for marketing reasons yeah. and wanting to move on to something else yeah that's hard so i do i do have already like the first scene of the next book in the angelica series in my head so i'm probably going to start writing that well so angelica your angelica is my phoebe right like it was uh labor of love and it was because you had to fix it because it was your first piece you ever wrote so the second book is going to write much faster so i that's say, what i'm hoping yeah i say don't stress about it i say do it you write way faster than i write so give it a try and see how quickly you could write a sequel because if i could change anything about my career i would have had all four books completely finished before i released the first one but there was also a need to publish the first one to prove that I could do it too. So like there was like well, that, that whole problem too. But the last time I talked to my mother, she requested that I get it done before she dies so she can read it. Oh, she wow. Her, is she on her deathbed? <laughs> She's 85. She's not on her deathbed though. <laughs> that She's was just dramatic. Statement. She's just dramatic. You're saying. So I feel like I, I need to publish it even if it's just for her so she can read it. Right. Well, Tina, I have the same request. Can you please publish it before I die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, all right. I will try my best. Well, congratulations. Gigi says congrats, Tina, too. So we're just Thanks. really, really happy for you. It is, you made it across the finish line. Well, publishing will be the finish line, but you've, Finishing and getting it to an editor is a huge oh, that's so, so huge. Good for, yeah. you. Good for you. Now my stomach's all jumpy. <laughs> oh. You know, oh, your like, stomach uh, is jumpy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I know nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. I know the feeling. All right, Rhonda, what's your accountability? Um, okay, so we're not talking about what we did over the week, over the two weeks. You get you get a buy this time. Yep, you don't okay. have to talk about what you got done. What are you doing uh, moving forward? I'm trying to get my uh, nonfiction completed while still continuing to get the second draft of my other novel done. So, what will you have? What can we check in on for next week? What will you have accomplished by next week? Um, ask me if I have my second draft done because okay. that is my goal. 
All right. Of the fiction. All right. Sounds good. Jamie? You may move on now. Thank you. Um, I would like to have posted one blog post for every week between, like every week I want to post something new to my blog. So that means I have to have 52 blog pieces in the bank, so to speak. I call it in the bank, like the bank of my pieces. Mm -hmm. 52 completed ones by the end of the year. I'm currently editing Tina's book, which is sucking up a lot of my editing brain. So my own edits, I don't care. It sounds like, oh, my own edits are waiting, but it's not like I'm not going to do that. But when I approach it, we'll be like, well, I'm tired of being in Angelica's world. I'm going to go see what's going on in my stuff. Like it's not, I don't want Tina to feel like, oh, you're hindering because to me, the blog is the focus right now. So I am not letting that fall sort of away. My other stuff is just still simmering back there on the back burner, just like it has been since before Christmas. And my goal is to have them both finished up by the end of March. As far as the editing work on them, that's my November piece. We'll have a first edit and my Moxie piece will be ready for someone else to look at. So that's my two goals. So for next week, I want to have something new published to the blog um, and have been working diligently during office hours and stuff. So I know it's kind of vague, but that's my, that's my flimsy, whimsy, wobbly goals. All right. My goals are, so I am back in Phoebe's world and um, it's actually going pretty well. Um, Jamie and I had a discussion that um, I've, you know, this has been my stressor because this was my first book and it wasn't as good as the others. Well, I think it's not as good, but I did have problems and I'm trying to fix those problems. And it's hard. Sometimes writing the editing, it's hard. And sometimes you just got to do hard work. Right. And it's not all fun. So my goal for next week is five chapters, whether that means I get to a point where I have to write a new chapter or I just have to go through and fix some things in a chapter. I want to be through five chapters by next Friday. And I can totally do that because um, I need to actually have more than that done because um, Jamie and I, when we figured out my schedule, I need to kind of have this book first draft done by the end of this month or the middle of February, which is totally doable if I get serious and I stop stressing out about the hard stuff. So um, yeah, so five chapters by next Friday. That's where I'm at. That's a big goal. Good job. We can do it. All right, yeah, ladies. it was so funny because Jennifer uh, met with me to talk about goal setting and all that. It was so funny. She had her little glasses on. I'm like, oh, she's back. Oh, she's ready. Oh, my. Here we are. Okay, so now let's talk about our writing career. I'm like, uh-oh, I don't think I was ready. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I, Before we end the podcast, I just need to say once again, thank you, ladies, for allowing me the time that I needed to mourn. And Jamie had said to me more on one occasion, everyone mourns differently. And when you're ready, you'll be ready. And and she just, I feel like Jamie was just constantly on the lookout because she, she'd said to me once, she's like, I don't know at what point I say to you, it's time to get busy again, because I know you're still mourning. And luckily I don't think she had to, I think it just like, I felt like I had to get through Christmas when you lose someone, like there's certain, like, you know, holidays are hard, you know, and I, and I was still so it, the loss of, of my loved one was so recent that I, I just, I kind of, in my mind even knew I got to get through Christmas because Christmas was her holiday, was her mm-hmm. holiday, you know? So made it through Christmas and got through the first year and then I'm, I'm back. 
just like she said, like, I feel like I'm back. I'm here. I still miss her. There are still, there's still a big hole in my life, but I'm back. So thanks for giving me the space that I needed ladies. I appreciate that. Aww. We're glad you're back. We missed you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, appreciate you ladies and appreciate all the listeners. Thank you. We had a lot of people viewing today. I could see, uh, we had some new chatters. Appreciate that. Hope to see you back next week. Um, we, If there's any ideas that you have, I did put a tweet out there asking for some suggestions. Um, we kind of have an idea of some things we want to talk about, but we want to know what you want to hear from us. So thank you so much for all that you do, sharing, retweeting, uh, following us on Instagram, all that stuff really does help. So we appreciate that. So if unless there's something else that needs to be said. No, I don't think so. This concludes the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So until next week, may your pen be prolific, may your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.